Thanks for listening. Join us now for Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. We've got Taylor Turkington with us. She's the director of Bible Equipping, where she helps teach and coach Bible teachers. Taylor's brand new book drops this coming Tuesday. It's called Trembling Faith, How a Distressed Prophet Helps Us Trust God in a Chaotic World. In Trembling Faith, we're invited to dive into the ancient Bible book of Habakkuk with a question. God, how can you be good when there's so much evil and suffering and injustice in the world, in my world? So your book is called Trembling Faith. What is your story, Taylor? Like, what do you know about trembling faith? There's got to be a story there. We know that God doesn't just put a book on our minds. He puts it on our hearts. And so something happened in your life that caused you to write this book. Can you tell us that story? Yeah. If you drew a timeline of my life, I say that if I had this timeline, there'd be these dots when life got really hard and I could label each one of those dots when I ended up in the book of Habakkuk. Mm. But this book has comforted me time and again from even when I was younger and reading Habakkuk and skipped some of the more confusing parts. And then later over the years, times when work and ministry wasn't going how I planned, when my health was in a really precarious place in the hospital, when I felt out of control because leaders were making decisions that that hurt and I didn't have any control. But it's there in this book that we find a prophet shows us how to speak to God, even when we're angry and hurting and God welcomes him and shows him how to live. It's as if we have a way to speak with God instead of just about him. And it's where we can face the world and not explode or stick our heads in the sand. Tell us, you know, if you can, we, we love to go for stories and personal, you know, vulnerability. Talk about that time when you went through a health struggle and how Habakkuk spoke to your life. Yeah. So I talk a little bit in the book about how I was living in Eastern Europe uh, for a couple of years and I moved back. And after a little bit of moving back, my leg began to hurt. And as my leg hurt, it just, I went to the doctors. They told me I'd probably pulled a muscle and it got worse and worse, got to the point that I couldn't walk. Finally, my roommate dragged me into the ER and told the doctor, we are not leaving until you run more tests. And as I finally ran more tests, I had a huge blood clot that went from my leg up through my hip. Mm. And to say it was dangerous, it would be an understatement. Mm. Um, and I was there in the hospital. We were talking about experimental surgeries. We're talking about just saving my leg about a blood clotting disorder. And, and those were scary. And it was a challenge for me as I engaged with those doctors, but even more so recognizing that my future was changing in these conversations, that the impact on daily medications about where I could live, where I couldn't live, mm. monthly testings, my plans were falling to pieces. And so again, I ended up in Habakkuk. I remember sitting in that hospital room, reading it, crying out about, God, what are you doing? This this is not my plan. This is not what I was going to do. I have all these thoughts, my plan for my family, my plan for missions. All of this was going to change. But I remember being reminded by Habakkuk that my job was to live by faith, even if it's trembling faith, that in the instability, that there was something deeper that God offered me, even when we lose what we thought we could have. So I have a friend that... I've walked with through many, many years of suffering. He has some mental, emotional, spiritual afflictions in his life. And, you know, he's had some seasons where life has been okay, but 
he just he's really getting worse and it, this has been decades mm -hmm. and decades since his childhood it's just it's really really hard to walk with somebody like that who is inconsolable and you just whatever you say doesn't seem to help i'm just wondering you know how how can the book of habakkuk help me you know as day after day you know i'm faced with this suffering friend who unless god miraculously delivers him is is gonna suffer the rest of his life yeah yeah well and i think um part of my health conditions also include chronic pain things that continue and don't end and what i think i love about habakkuk is that there is this conversation with god that habakkuk has it begins with this lament where habakkuk is saying god why haven't you done something yet where, where are you in this and God hears him and welcomes into this. And he tells Habakkuk that he's actually working, though not how Habakkuk wanted him to work. But this protest prayer of God, this is hard. This is not what I wanted is part of a relationship with God. Mm. And so even when suffering doesn't end, but it continues, it, this is an example of what faith looks like. And it's as if God takes Habakkuk up this hill to the heights and has him in chapter two, verse four, and looks out over the bigger picture of what he's doing. And he tells Habakkuk that in contrast to the self-dependent and the arrogant, my people, the righteous, they live by faith, Habakkuk. This is how you're going to survive. That there's something bigger than even the things that we lose and that we suffer here because we trust in a just God that's taking this world to something that is so much better, that there is a new creation where all things will be made right. It's as if we get this, the vista from the mountain that helps us see, even if the pain isn't totally gone yet. Can you comment on... Habakkuk. Is it Habakkuk or Habakkuk? They're both correct, depending <laughs> on where you are. <laughs> All right. So chapter two, verse 14, it says that the earth will be filled with the knowledge yes. of the glory of the Lord, like the waters cover the sea. Oh, this is such a beautiful section. Um, what's a little surprising is that sometimes we quote that verse, but we don't really realize what it's in the middle of. But actually, the second half of chapter two is a woe song. So it is these five stanzas of woe, woe, woe to you who are mistreating others, those who are using their power to actually um, gain for themselves so that they were, they're stealing, they're manipulating, they're being violent. And in the middle of all of it, we see the very center of it. We see that verse 14 that the earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God, of the Lord's glory, like the waters cover the sea. And I think that in the midst of God reminding us that he's a just God, that one day he's going to hold all these people accountable. He's also saying, but I'm not just here to bring justice in that way to punish those who, or to hold accountable those who are doing these things, which he will do that everything they've done will either be, they will have to deal with before the Lord or it will fall on Jesus Christ. Those are the two options. But at the same time, God is spreading his glory to the ends of the earth. And it's these things come together in the work of Jesus Christ, right? Today, we know that that glory of God, that is both justice and love and forgiveness, that we know that that happened at the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that today, this glory is spreading across the world because of his work through his people in the church. 
that we're able to say, hey, look, this world is broken. People are still doing wrong, but one day God is going to make it right. And that we have hope because of the good news of Jesus. That is how this glory is spreading. And one day it will spread across the whole earth as God remakes the world. Yeah. And even before, you know, Jesus comes and makes all the sad things untrue, my hope is that we can get God's word and God's people to every place in the planet, to every people group in the planet, so that the the word of the Lord and the, the, the glory, the Holy Spirit is present in every place in this broken planet, even before that, you know, new creation. Absolutely. Yes. And as I write in Trembling Faith, I write about how God's people today are like the streams in the desert. We're out there talking about the goodness of God and how we can know the the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. But we're people that are also waiting for the flood. Like We are spreading it as far as we can, but one day the flood will come and everyone will have a taste of this beautiful water of the glory of God. What lament has looked like in my own life, <laughs> to be totally honest, I, when I'm yes. overwhelmed and I need to get raw with God and I need to just get really honest about where my heart's at, I hop in the shower, turn on the water, cry, literally yes. cry and mm-hmm. let it all out before God, just let him know all that's on my heart and all that's on my mind. And I'll, you know, I'll take a good long shower, but there's a point at which... I got to turn off the water and I got to get on with my day, right? Is there a point at which lament is not helpful anymore? Um, I wouldn't say that there's a, I wouldn't put a timeline on it, especially when people are in the middle of grief, that Mm -hmm. lament can go on for a long time. But I think that what you're talking about is that in a specific day that while you may lament again and get in that shower and cry again the next day because of the things that you are walking through, that there's a point when we see people decide that they're going to live by faith, that even in the midst where they don't have the answers yet, because in Habakkuk's story, right, he's telling God, I see this brokenness in Judah. People are are like hurting each other and it's violent and the king is inscripting slaves. God, what are you doing? And God actually says, I'm going to bring more discipline on the people. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Habakkuk doesn't have all the answers to his prayers yet. He instead has to live by faith without having the answer that he asked for. And I think that's what's beautiful about chapter three is that it begins with lament, Shauna, and then it ends in this song of God's power. So chapter three is a song that Habakkuk wrote for the people to sing together. And they sing this song asking God to work again in verse two, and then this powerful imagery of God's power to save his people. And then it ends as some of the most moving verses, I think, in the Bible when it talks about though the fig tree mm-hmm. does not bud, though there's no fruit on the vines, no, the olive crop fails. Mm-hmm. And it, it's loss, loss, loss. Everything is gone. And then he says, yet I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. And he doesn't mean like, oh, it doesn't matter that I would lose all these things. But he's saying in my lament, I still believe, God, that though I may lose everything, I will not lose the Lord. Mm-hmm. And he, because of him, I will still rejoice. If it's all gone, all the stability that I hoped that held me up, I can still walk with faith because I know that my God is the one who has saved me and loves me and I'm in relationship with him. Can you tell us just 
how you fell in love with Jesus. What's a little bit of your backstory? Oh, yeah. You know, I grew up here in Oregon, and I remember hearing about God and about Jesus and heard it at my family in different ways, but it was when I was in school and I had these teachers who talked about God like they knew Him. Mm. I remember thinking, what do you mean you know Him? And they talked about meeting Him in His Word, and that just blew me away. And I remember going home as even a kid in middle school and opening the Bible and being like, wow, I think there's something different in here. And I read it and just felt like I could understand that there was a God above all of this. And though I didn't understand so many parts of the Bible, I understood that He loved us and that I desperately needed Jesus. And it changed my life forever. So was your family... Was your family non non religious? No, they they were believers. They were f- figuring out their own walk. They were struggling with health issues, and they talked to me about Jesus. But it wasn't as a direct conversation, um, perhaps, as I had at school, the mm-hmm. Christian school that they'd put me in. And when I think of Oregon, I think of a place where there aren't really many believers. You know, more of a post Christian place maybe than other parts of America. Yeah, I think that's definitely true where I'm living now. I grew up in more of an agricultural town, so that was a little different there. Um, but I live in Portland now where it definitely is post-Christian. When I meet people every day, it's most likely that they are not Christians. Many of them have never heard the gospel, have never read the Bible. They have no idea. They don't know a Christian. They don't have a friend who is mm-hmm. a Christian. And so how do you try to interact with people who are non-religious? How do you approach that? Yeah, yeah. Well, and some of them are not irreligious. Some of them have a spirituality um, or or a religion, a formal religion, just that's not Christianity. Yeah, no. I and I think that being able to walk respectfully with my neighbors is good, and wanting to be honest about who I am as a Christian is something that I want to do, and I am doing. And we pray for opportunities to talk more about Jesus with them, and wanting them to be able to be in our home, wanting them to be at the park. I have a daughter, so I'm at the park with them and their mm-hmm. kids, and talking about life and. And praying for open doors to talk about the way that we see the world because of the, our faith and because of how God has changed us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's really our hope and prayer that we would be able to be people who are making disciples, right? Even in our street, being able to live out our faith and to have them into our home or us in theirs and walking to the mailbox together that we would be able to think through what does it mean that my life is is changed because of what Jesus Christ has done being able to maybe even speak truth of what that would mean for them too thanks for listening to Barry and Shauna replay to learn more text us at 800-968-8930 that's 800-968-8930 